0: Hey, Steve! Hey, Chris! So, what are we talking about today?
1: Well, my idea was to talk about (laughs) the most effective tactics available versus the minimum effective tactics allowable. Was that what I said? That's what you said. Yeah, most efficient tactics available versus the minimum effective tactics allowable. Two different definitions
0: or or acronyms for meta. For meta. In
1: games. In games, yes.
0: And I just don't think there's enough booze in here and I would need to crash on your guest room bed and I don't think that's happening tonight. I don't think that's happening tonight. I I am not going to be able to have that conversation this
1: sober. Um, So. So, we were not going to talk about... The meta, in all caps, because it's an acronym.
0: Evidently, not, not,
1: so I was actually. This is one of those things I was wrong about. We were we were talking about this on on, uh, on our Discord, Discord today, yeah. yeah. And I had always just assumed the idea of the meta was that it was like the meta game. It was the game you need to play to play the game, which is sort of min-maxing your equipment and your builds and everything else. Yeah,
0: it's what I always assumed as well. But no, well, it probably started as that, and then someone decided to make an acronym out of it, because that's how this stuff works, right? Right. right. Yeah. So, and yeah, it it, what started as a joke became a huge debate, and at this point of the day, I'm just like, man, I'm not, I'm not ready for that, especially because again, it's like I think. Part of it is stuff that I don't know how to define because I'm still figuring out where my tastes differ. Because there's so much Venn diagram we've had for years and it feels like in the past couple months all of a sudden like and it starts with The Witcher 3. Why did you ever make me play The Witcher 3? If I never played The Witcher 3 this crap wouldn't have happened. (laughs) But no, like, uh, like all of a sudden we're finding these little things where the opinions clash, and where we just have different preferences and it's, tastes, and all of a sudden it's like... And also because
1: I'm just tired of Destiny at this point. You're allowed to be tired of Destiny, even though you haven't really played it in a while. And, but uh, how long have I played it for? Very many hours, it's true. It's... I, I was always thinking about our, our tastes, it's... There's a parallel with our musical tastes to some degree, where it's sort of like... The difference between power metal and progressive metal. Where I would lean, so you've got like heavy guitars and generally high-pitched voices that lean on the more melodic side. Yes. In most cases. But when you really break down the genres, there's a lot of big differences between power metal and progressive metal. There are. Where I would tend to listen to more progressive metal and I feel like you would tend to listen to more power metal.
0: Well, that's even starting to change a bit. Um, I am leaning towards progressive a bit more and more but you've definitely got that old fashioned progressive leaning right. and meanwhile I'm starting to discover oh hey I like this melodic progressive death metal band which is going to be a very different experience cuz like you're like the the one tier album right mm-hmm. where you're like I don't normally like growling but this song I actually really dig it kind of a thing and it's like I've kind of been there a bit more. I still don't love growling and screaming in most of my metal. But there are examples where it's uh, more... Sorry, we were able to see someone just use the the driveway for a U-turn. I
1: was a little confused, too.
0: (laughs) But, yeah, but that's the thing. It's like there's that Venn diagram where then it diverges. Because I'm not as big of a music head, though. And I'm also not... Like, I haven't been a musician since high school, really. Like, it's also going to have less importance to me that we have that difference. Versus when we're talking about games, you're competitive and I like to think I actually know things. Like... (laughs) Yeah, no, there's
1: obviously, like... Right, like, there's definitely always been... We both have we both have like JRPGs, but then we seem to like different things about different JRPGs. Yes. And um, our, I don't think our shooter tastes are really that different.
0: In terms of single player, I don't think so. But it's when you get into competitive, because I'm not a huge competitive player. Um, and I, but I also think because then it's like as you say like like the the RPG elements of destiny and where you get into this whole meta gaming stuff and for me it's like I like the quick decision making based on okay they have that color shield I need to make sure someone's got a weapon or I got a weapon for this it's one of the reasons why I don't think the whole overshield thing was that a bad idea just annoyingly executed especially when you teamed it up with the seasonal reset where okay now you got to level this gimmick up that gives you these mods so you can modify a weapon to counter and this
1: this season auto rifles can break barriers with the mod and next season next this season smgs can bake you know and this season is scout rifles and so you're always and sometimes they make some really bad tactical decisions in terms of they really limit your builds and high-level content, and I know there's definitely, with, with Destiny in particular, there are no doubt some issues. What I like about it is that they're constantly working on it and improving it, but at the same time, I'm going to be happy to take a little break and play some Outriders I'd say
0: changing it. Not, because improving... Is too objective a statement. I'd say changing it because then it allows for certain people to to, to understand why certain people dislike it and certain people. Because and that's the thing. I'm not saying one way or the other whether it is an improvement or a. Because like some of the stat changes and stuff that they kept making, it's like give me back that old Destiny that reminded me of the evolution of Halo. Because that's the thing. Destiny so, is evolving to the point that it's moving away from Halo. And I'm sorry, I did screw up your segue. I know what you were trying to do there. Um, yeah. But Destiny has like a lot of what I loved about Halo. But gradually, more and more, it feels like they're moving away from that. Maybe some of that is because Luke Smith loves World of Warcraft. So he's trying to put World of Warcrafty things in there. So, I don't know. Like, that's just I like, mean, I think there's a couple
1: movie. different aspects to it. I think that base... Destiny Two was very close to Halo in terms of movement and gunplay. The game itself was slower than it is now. Super and abilities charged much slower. Yeah. So the game was much more reliant on gunplay well,
0: before. And, I, and well, what
1: happened? Honestly, I think what happened was there were there was a mix of good and bad decisions in there, and rather than sort of filter through the bad decisions. So, for example, the way they changed weapon loadouts. Um, there were no more random rolls. They made, like, shotguns were a heavy weapon. So shotguns, you shared a slot with oh, rocket yeah, launchers yeah, yeah, and swords. Yeah. And so did sniper rifles. And so you had two primary weapons and a power weapon. And the like. those changes needed to be fixed. But rather than just fix those, they completely reworked so many of the game's systems from the ground up. And what we have in, what are we, like year four of Destiny 2 now? Good lord, who knows? And of the franchise as a whole. And and yeah, is essentially a completely different game that's much more RPG, much more focused on, on building... Kits around your abilities and around your stats than it is about just the gunplay itself, and I think that's that's really the core change in Destiny that maybe is, is a little bit love it or hate it. well I do think they're they're making so for as just one example of something I'd say is, is an improvement is originally the champion mods, the things where you know oh this is a barrier champion, you need yeah. bar- anti-barrier rounds to defeat it were only weapon mods they changed it so that they can be weapon mods or armor mods so you can have your um, your gloves or gauntlets equipped with an anti-champion mod so that way if you switch guns so let's see as long as you have still anti-champion right as long as you have a auto rifle equipped in one of your slots it will always be anti-champion okay and, and rather than just having put a mod on one particular auto-rifle, and now this is your anti-champion auto-rifle. But you have the option to do both in most cases. Okay. So you can either have a specific anti-champion gun, or you can have an anti-champion armor piece that works for any gun. So things like that, they're, they're, it's an improvement, but it's still a game that's more RPG than Destiny was in Destiny 1 or in the current port, for better or yeah. for worse. If some people love it, some people prefer the RPG. I actually think the core game at the start of Destiny 2 was, in some ways, better than what we have at at this more heavily RPGified stage. But
0: yeah, well, I just thought of something funny because to me, it's it's like laws, right? Like, and I, I could talk about either healthcare laws, tax laws, any kind of laws in in, in the country. But it's like, you take Destiny 1, where in my mind, it's like this purity. There's mm. this purity of vision to it. And by now, they've duct taped so much and tried to stitch so much together onto this Frankenstein game in order to fix it. That it feels like you have all of these additional systems that it, like it's, the core is still there. But there's all of this other stuff that does that that removes that purity of vision.
1: Well, it's also at this point they've excised the original game, and you know all of the original weapons, armor, all of the first year of content has now just disappeared from the game, and yeah. it's it's a really really weird thing. Like I'm trying to think of of a something that was a true single-player campaign experience that you just straight up can't play anymore like the way that destiny 2's campaign is
0: um i think there are past examples well i mean final fantasy 14
1: That's but again it was of. it was destiny was always somewhere between a more traditional campaign and like the, you're the, right the, final the, the destiny was still an mmo, MMO. The Destiny campaign was I think balanced better for a single player game, but that it, it just allowed the co-op. There's even there's even portions of it you need to play through the first chapter of the game before you even unlock yeah. the ability to play multiplayer and stuff like that. Um well, I mean I guess that's true in MMOs, but there's it's it's a little different than an MMO and it's just it's it's weird, like, you know. My one son wants to never finish the Red War campaign, and I warned him. I'm like, "It's going away," but he still doesn't entirely get it. Like, how did? Why, how why, how, does this how did the game
0: get a, go away? The, yeah. the game
1: just went away. Sorry, bye. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but um, to tie to your segue, uh, you know, I was gonna try and bring it back, but I can't. But Outriders, when I to discuss what little we've played of Outriders so far. Um, because I'm thinking, like, you know, going back to, like, what I wanted out of a new Halo kind of a thing. Like, Destiny was what I wanted out of a new Halo. Outriders, so far, might be what I wanted out of a new Gears of War. Sort of. Kind of. Probably not really in the long run. Um, because ignoring the aesthetic and the story and all that, the moment after the whole time skip, And boy howdy is this story really silly. Um, After the whole time skip. Really? And you're shoved into the no man's land. And you're fighting people. The size of this battlefield. And because it's basically still a cover shooter at that point. Just the size of this battlefield. Ducking for cover. Enemies all over the place. I'm just sitting there like. This is the Gears of War 4 that I wanted. Hmm. Because one of the things that Gears of War was never able to do was really give you, like, that huge battlefield. Like, you sort of got it um, towards the end of Gears of War 2, I believe it was, when you're going from, you know, location to location, fighting the different uh, locusts that are besieging the capital city. That's the closest thing, but when it feels like being a, on a battlefield, you know, like, when it feels like warfare, like, this giant, no man's land, World War One inspired battlefield, In Outriders, was just like, oh, oh, this is the Gears of War 4 I wanted. Um, Because Gears of War 4 is definitely not the Gears of War 4 4 you wanted. wanted. So this, 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 I haven't played it much yet. I only, as I said, like I did the first mission that you can co-op, but I did it solo. And it's not very far. Not a lot of abilities so far unlocked. So there's a little bit of the loot game in there. I think the coolest thing was actually before, like, during the tutorial mission when you picked up the gun that made guys explode when you killed them. Yeah,
1: people. that was that was a nice touch to sort of hint at what you're going to be getting. Again, I haven't really
0: played very far, but it's yeah. like for me it's like that was like one of the more impre- like cuz I thought about both Destiny and Borderlands in that moment. Mm. Cuz Destiny like they want you to feel like these guns are something wonderful or this and that. Borderlands, <laughs> I never really I, see,
1: I, I hope this gets somewhere in between because what Borderlands yes. did great was just you pick up a new gun and it you shoot it and it just you start laughing maniacally or hysterically or something because sometimes either like the gun sounds yeah sometimes maybe the gun sounds like a chicken clucking or something every time you shoot it. Or maybe it sets enemies well, on fire. Or instead of
0: reloading, you just throw it and it explodes, and you pull out another one from like meat right. space. Like, yeah, yeah, hammer that, space, I should say.
1: That's you know, something like that where they were such, and I that setting things on fire gun felt outside of what Destiny does with perks, um, where you have a couple you know exotic guns that have it a perk like you know you get a headshot and it makes like a mini grenade explosion with the chain reaction. Like, okay, that's cool, but it's not. But there's not a lot of guns that
0: do that. Yeah, there's not a lot and of guns. you're gonna guns. have like one gun at a time. But, but that's the thing, like Borderlands, part of it is like Borderlands is so reliant on random number generation that like any any gun you get with a cool perk is all, could also be balanced out by like just having really bad aim or really bad range. So for me, most of the time in Borderlands, most of the guns just feel crappy. And you need to find that good role. It's funny, in Borderlands, yeah. I'm more desiring that good role element than I am in Destiny. Well, because the or role... Destiny, because t- the actual gun mechanics are good, I want that stable gun that I know how
1: it's going to Right. In, in Destiny, the, the guns, there's... Like if you're min-maxing, you understand the difference between, you know, rampage and swashbuckler and kill clip, and where you know like all but, in terms of just using the gun without paying a lot of attention, there's not a lot of variation. Yeah. Um. You're you know, so, that's where I'm hoping this this ends up coming in between, where you don't have quite the. The the ridiculousness of Borderlands.
0: But you do have something more obvious and noticeable. Well, I'd even...
1: Yeah, I'd even think of something like... The the differences that you could build into guns in something like Mass Effect with their mod system. You
0: know what's really Where, surprising, actually now that I think about it, because so much of Outriders is taking itself seriously. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Yeah. But it's like uh, so much of Outriders is taking itself seriously. It's like this is from people can fly. This is from That's, the people okay, that, that makes, bullet storm.
1: That was my big complaint so far, is is right, like I wanted a little bit of that bullet storm, like yeah, we get that this is schlocky. Like, we get that this is,
0: we this is camp cheese. Like, this this is like a dumb idea. But it's taking itself so seriously. There's logs and everything in there. Like, dude, if this was like the precursor to the Bulletstorm universe, and that would be a shame if this is the precursor to the Bulletstorm universe. <laughs> like, that's the thing because, like, it could have been. The game has as service competitor to Borderlands, and that would have been a great way to set yourself apart. Because my biggest issue with Borderlands, other than it's not as well written as it thinks it is, <laughs> is the gun mechanics just aren't very good. Yeah, and so getting the Borderlands sort of style of ridiculousness but with actually good gun mechanics. Yeah. People can fly
1: it should be all about that. Well, I mean even even just I think Bullet Storm was not it's been so long since I played that. I, I keep on me. I've downloaded the full, full clip, clip edition, edition yeah. twice now and have not actually played it. Um I is I think Bullet Storm wasn't quite wasn't quite to Borderlands level. Bulletstorm was more like last action hero. Are it kind was of, sort
0: of like, if you remember, um, Mad World. Yeah. It was like a first-person shooter of that sort of, but quicker in pace.
1: Um, well, I just mean in terms of tone. That tonally, it was... How would you say it? Like, I don't know. Um, Did you just say you'll shoot me in the dick? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It's, it's that
0: kind of ridiculousness.
1: But it was right. It was... But I guess I uh, uh, kind of like Last Action Hero as a, as a thing where it was it was self-aware and just barely kind of dipped its toes into silly. It wasn't... It wasn't like... It wasn't... It wasn't Shoot'em Up. Have you seen the movie Shoot'em Up? A long time ago. I was going to compare it to like Sharknado. Well maybe like Sharknado. But like Shoot'em Up, I'm thinking, you know, like the guy gets like stabbed through the eye with a carrot, like... It was so.
0: I don't like, remember that part. There's
1: a, like, it was, like, shoot 'em up was just ridiculous. Where it wasn't, it was no part of the movie was meant to be taken seriously. Yeah. Where, and so I, I kind of like I don't know that maybe not the, the perfect example. Both both shoot 'em up and last action hero are sort of, you know, they're poking fun at the action genre and its tropes. Where there's a little bit more absurdity and shoot 'em up, kind of like Borderlands.
0: Well, shoot 'em up doesn't have a heart to it, like last action hero. That
1: too, yeah. There's not, there's not a heart to it. But a- anyway, so I think there's right there's a better space for it. And that was my initial impression before I even played it. Was this this is a generic shooter from 2009. Um, and and mean, gonna, I didn't get
0: that until I was playing it. Because you, you, you were right on that, Mark. Because I'm sitting there. like I'm looking at the aesthetic of all the promo. Like the announcement trailer. Just the announcement trailer. I remember looking at it and be like, how did they. Because like, when I think you're uglier than Gears of War, because Gears of War is not necessarily an aesthetic I like, but I feel like it has a consistent style so that I can call it a proper aesthetic. Like, there is a style to Gears of War that feels like, okay, I don't... It's not what I go for, especially in sci-fi, but I get it. I get what you're going for, and I'm going to go with it. Outriders feels so... just... Gears of Mad Max... Beyond, time splitter dome—not time splitter, time shift dome—like this weird amalgamation of all these different aesthetics, and none of them work well together.
1: Well, it's yeah, it's sort of. There's, I I, I said Gears of War filtered through Fortnite, um, because there's a, yeah, it's it's sort of like there's with well, the super punk haircuts, like there's
0: so few haircuts where. Someone has a full head of hair. What's well, also just like
1: the, oh, I mean, I don't think Overwatch is the right example because Overwatch is, is sort of deliberately cartoony in examples. Now that Fortnite isn't, but there's this this sense of of proportion and other things that's just slightly off. Yeah, that gives it, and and so they do what what makes and what makes it sort of. Um, I can't think of the right word. Oh my goodness! I just realized something about. Uh, uh, the, the, what gives it this sort of dissonance? That's the word I was like, more was dissonance?" Dissonance is the serious storytelling mixed with the sort of like the the aesthetic doesn't feel as serious. Like so, so Fortnite did this like cutscene recently, and they play it like it's this super epic thing. They actually brought in the Russo brothers to help direct this big season's ending, like the season transition cutscene. Oh my gosh. And, but like, and they and they play it seriously, but at the same time, you know, at one point, one of the skins you get is just like a giant banana um, person. And, you know, like, the, the banana person gets, like, blasted with a shotgun and just explodes banana everywhere. And it's, like, hilarious. And you can get away with it because you've got this weird mix of, like, Cartoon semi-realistic thing, yeah. and so you get this—you get this moment of levity in this epic presentation. Yeah.
0: That it's played seriously provides some of the humor,
1: right? And so, with Outriders so far, at least, there's there's nothing that hints at any kind of levity, but the character designs don't lend themselves. To the over seriousness of the oh, we lost tra- we lost uh, communication with the other ship, it exploded outside of Earth. But maybe that gave us a real chance here because we're not competing with the other humans for resources from the other ship, yeah. And we lost contact with Earth because they're all dead. Uh, man, everybody's this really dead sucks. Everybody's people have been dead for decades, people just died, man, and now we're in no man's land. Wow, we just drove this truck through a hanging skeleton thing, you know, because there's just bodies, bodies hanging everywhere. everywhere. And there's Nobody no... survives in No Man's Land because of the Anomaly Storm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, this is like cold and dark, but it doesn't... It's not like Gears of War... It's like nobody's laughing. Gears of War pulled it off, where it was...
0: Well, that's the funny thing. Gears of War is in... Like... Gears of War is a weird mixture of tones as well, but at least I uh, like you had that element of knowing they were somewhat self-aware. Baird was a great way to be somewhat self-aware. They knew, the developers knew, we're going to have the only guy wearing a helmet get shot in the head. They <laughs> knew what they were doing.
1: And well, then when you when you right when you introduced Baird and Coltrane, you know, Coltrane
0: especially, yeah, we
1: got not too long into the game. You get and you get this like, right, there's you're laughing at it. These are a bunch of linebackers with huge chainsaw machine guns yeah. tearing each other apart. And it's just like you you, you got the fun in it because it pushed and I'm just not getting maybe I didn't yeah. yet.
0: There's nobody making like that's laughing about the whole situation. Like the closest you have is this Jacob character. And he's too down to earth. He's too down to earth for that. So it's like there's nobody yet that's willing to just look at the whole situation. And, but you, you need the comedian. Yeah, it's all a joke, you know. You, you need the guy that's there, who's like, look around. This is ridiculous. This is like absurdity. And,
1: like, and we, and you gotta give Gears credit. Thinking, thinking back, on it, there's a tough line to walk between the. The guy who just comes off like a lunatic, and the guy who comes off like Coltrane—like yes. you know what? The world's ending, everything's gone to hell. But you know what? We're gonna to have fun your game blowing up the bad guys. To,
0: to roll the end credits with, woo, yeah, bring it old sucker! This is my <laughs> kind of stuff. Right, and like that, to end your credits like that—it's like you you know you're making something that's. Fun, you know, you, you know, it's like we're, we're going to try and And they did you can tell across all three games They definitely wanted to have a serious moments too. They wanted to be like we're going to have these really tough guys That get easily broken hmm. you have that moment, especially in the second game the second game really hammers that element home it was never just a game about like we're big, tough guys that are really tough because we eat eat meat and jerky and stuff because we're tough. Like, that's what the person not paying attention thinks Gears of War is. Gears of War was always more than that, but it always sabotaged itself because it does have that we eat beef jerky and stuff.
1: Or... Coltrane runs on whole grain, baby! (laughs) Like... (laughs) No. So. <laughs> and so, right, we have we're not we're not that far into Outriders, but it's just it hasn't given us. I keep peeking the mic. It hasn't given us that kind of. I don't know. There's a, that je ne sais quoi. Um, yeah, I know
0: what you're talking about. It, it hasn't given that bit where it's like it's okay, we're laughing too. It hasn't given you that. Like it hasn't given yeah. you like that. We know this is ridiculous. You don't have to take it seriously because you're just here to get gather up with your friends and shoot people.
1: Yeah, and and I think that's something that even you know when you get deeper into Destiny, if you read the lore books and stuff like that, you know, but you always had
0: Cade. Like that's the thing we well, always had Cade. And
1: stuff. I mean, well, Cade's dead. But well, okay. Spoilers. Um, but well, even stuff like you know, like you read the lore books and they they sort of make everything canon so like there's a lore book that's like the cabal um one of the raids in a a spot where like people tend to just if if they mess something up they would just jump off the edge to die the cabal talking about you know basically raid teams wiping to like to go back and things like that where they were they were really self-aware there's a lore book about you know a guardian who suicided too many times and now they've gone crazy and like they sort of like See, the funny thing is the actual comedy writers are evidently writing the lore books
0: because they try so hard, or rather, before I stopped playing. Yeah, yeah. They tried so hard to have all these funny characters, and it's like, you got Cookie Monster in here? Um, Yeah. You know, I hate that one score. Yeah. Uh, But then it's like... Welcome, Dead Things. I don't know
1: if that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like... I blow you up! Like, that's that's the Cookie Monster one. It's the, um... Yeah, there, there's a strike. You you fight the, the thing and then there's a strike where he comes back.
0: Oh, that's gosh. how he, like,
1: starts it out. Like, Dead Thing, have you come to
0: die? And that's when the double bass kicks in. They start playing the battle. <laughs> yeah, like,
1: right. C is for Cookie and Cookie is for I miss my calling.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, um, because I'm also reminded it's like you know what's great comedy is the one where what's uh, what's what's the, the the queen summons Shax and he's in the middle of some kind of conversation right. and it's and like. He just burns the book. It's like I. It's
1: like I don't need a book to recite. Oh, she so wants Tempest. him to to tell recite the Tempest to him, and to he doesn't her. need the
0: book, so he burns it. it's like that encounter is actually really good, but it's in the lore. It's, it's where the, the real writers are.
1: The real writers are writing the lore books, yeah. Well, and again, so we haven't gotten this deep into out into Outriders. It doesn't have. We have gone that deep into the podcast already. Holy cow! Yeah. Now I. I'm, I'm willing. I'm going to give it a chance. The mechanics. Are the mechanics are really good so far?
0: What I played, yes, it feels good to do the shootings and the shooting. And that's, I mean,
1: that's one of my that's always been one of my uh, weak spots is for sort of very dynamic cover shooters. Um, I even played all the way through Dark Sector um, because I was that hungry for some kind of third-person shooter. It,
0: yeah. And uh, f- f- humorously enough though there was a time where we thought the the world would be like painted and nothing but cover shooters it didn't last as long as I expected yeah but at the same time it's kind of a good thing because very few people ever got it working as right as uh, as uh, Epic did with Gears of War um, but yeah Outriders we'll probably play more of it I'll have to get to a point like because right now I'm on wireless internet as I said uh, fortunately, the Xbox One X can connect to a 5 gigahertz wireless router. Therefore, I have over 100 megabits per second yeah, download sure. speed.
1: I mean, for the longest time when we were playing online, I was playing wireless. It's only been recently that I've got my whole rig wired up. Yeah. So.
0: It's pathetic that a basic PS4, maybe because it was too early, but a base PS4 doesn't even rec- it can't find a 5 gigahertz router. Yeah. It can't do that. So that. Like, again, uh, 30 megabits per second download speed.
1: Ooh, not playing online on that. Dude, I did it for years. Oh, you no. played with me playing Destiny and Destiny 2 on a, a base PS4 connected to the wireless. I don't know. Probably more than you've played with me connected to the wireless. Or connected to the wire. Maybe. Maybe we'll test it out. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. It's, but, not, it's not as bad as you might imagine.
0: But, um, on other notes of things being played that I have played and Steve has played too. The Messenger! Exactly. Yet another game Steve has nagged me about, and between this, The Witcher 3, and Yakuza Like a Dragon, I'm learning that we shouldn't nag each other to play certain games. I'm enjoying Yakuza Like a Dragon. Yes, but you
1: don't love it like I do. I don't love it like you do. And, and I, I think when we talk about it, I, there's a lot of funny stuff about it. Like, things that I've I've heard you complain about with other games that I feel like Yakuza Like a Dragon does. But it does it with with finesse. Yes. With finesse.
0: And that's the thing. Yakuza, the Yakuza games in general. Because here's another thing, too. There's a lot of stuff for the series that Yakuza Like a Dragon has improved on. And that's going to be part of it, too. Because, like, Judgment. I love Judgment. Pre-Lucky Dra- like a Dragon it's probably my favorite Yakuza game I've played so far except it has this really annoying tendency to have like the the these moments where it's like all oh, these heads of these gangs are all over the city they're going to be wa- looking out for you blah 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 and if you don't fight any of them the game guilts you into not fighting any of them and it's like yeah you know I get it you keep doing this every half hour Ugh. Stop doing
1: this every half hour. I'm sick of it. I want to play the Maybe game. Maybe you should have just gone and fighted them, fought them, fought them. Oh, dude, I've, them. I I did for a while. Anyway, anyway, so but uh, so the messenger. So okay, so just a, just a, uh, I'll I'll give this a little introduction. Um, the messenger is one of my favorite sort of of the modern. 2D retro uh, style side-scrollers again. Indie stuff, yeah. Indie, um, you know, it's uh, basically half the game is 8-bit, half the game is 16-bit, and well, half the game is switching back and forth between 8-bit and 16-bit. And I've spoken highly of it on the podcast before and in other places as well. So Chris has finally started playing it, and he is at least halfway through the game.
0: Yeah, I'm in the latter portion, where it is more Metroidvania, and it's, so, technically this is the half that I should like better. The first half of the game, which is strictly 8-bit, is neat. It's basically, did you want a version of Ninja Gaiden that was far more polished and better designed and will age better? Yes. And the cloud step is also part of what makes it really, it's like this one simple mechanic that manages to make it work really well with a lot of its platforming and action. Because this idea is you can do a double jump, but if you hit something, you get an additional jump. And this means you can chain together platforming in really interesting ways or take advantage of enemy placement to do really interesting... Like, and you
1: add in a grappling hook as well, which works with the cloud step, and you get really insane platforming abilities. There's a lot of mobility around.
0: The first half of the game is completely linear. And honestly, like the trailer spoils most of what we're about to talk about, so... Um, no worries there. But yeah, the first half of the game is completely linear. So, it started to get a little bit annoying with some of the platforming elements and challenges. Um, but for the most part, I was like, okay. I, I, I get it. Like, it feels enjoyable. But, it's the second half. Which, as I said, it should be because it's a Metroidvania. And that is, I'm all about that. But one of the things about a Metroidvania, a well-designed one, the most difficult platforming sections are not the areas where you're retreading the most. And that's where the messenger is starting to get, I don't want to say tedious because that's not accurate, but it's kind of like, it's killing it for me because... I've gone through, I've I basically retread about half the world again, collecting uh, mostly the green little seals. Mm. Um, I found one. I wouldn't worry about the
1: green thing. seals.
0: I mean, I'm just wandering around because like, I'm looking for the oh, okay. music notes too. Right, right, yeah. Uh, but I'm just wandering around because the green seals, I'm guessing, are supposed to be some special weapon or outfit or something. And do I, Do I spoil it for you or not? Is it actually a major disappointment even to you?
1: It's It turns your shuriken from, like, the straight shuriken. It's cool. Don't get me wrong. It's not worth it. it, it wow,
0: because ba- uh, we're talking about something I barely use
1: as it is. It turns your shuriken into the whirling shuriken from Ninja Gaiden.
0: How do you spell shuriken?
1: S-H-U-R-I-K-E-N. No, say it again. Shuriken... <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. I'm like I'm like combining whatever and Hadoken, Hadoken, Shuriken. Sh- whatever. How however you say it. Shuriken.
0: Shuriken. Shuriken. Um Shuriken. Shuriken. Actually sh yeah, okay. Sh-
1: shuriken. Anyway, so the whirling one that basically it goes in and back to you. But it can be juggled, so you can jump over it when it comes back, and then like basically like get an infinite. It it takes a lot of a bit of skill to get going. You can basically get a a shuriken, shuriken, that like spins around you infinitely. That's that's what it gets you. It's not actually that practically useful. I didn't do it until I was basically already finished with the game. I didn't get all the green skills.
0: What I need it for. hmm you don't need it. Okay, because there's one little guy I found. One little guy. I saw that one temple. Like, like, well, by magma. And I don't have anything I need. I, I can get to him yet. There's nothing to do with the cloud step on. I'm not going to be able to do the slow descent towards him. I'll fall into magma. Your grappling hook? Nothing to grapple onto. Hmm. Little, little dude with a hard hat. And I'm wondering if I need another up Oh,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. You get to walk on lava. At one point. Okay. You get a lava walking upgrade. Well, I guess I have to find that. Cause thing, get... I'm
0: already looking through, and that's that's the funny thing. Most of these seals are the easier thing to find. It's like okay. Oh, yeah, I'm they, put them, like your, the they put them on your I'm looking for the the shell so I could go underwater and hear the tune in that underwater maze. And that's the thing, though. It's like I'm looking. At this world, and I'm looking at where some of these things are, and I'm like, I'm going to have to go through these obstacle courses again. And that's that's enough right there to just make me like, oh, I don't want to do all these obstacle courses again.
1: For the most part, if you stick to, yeah, there's there's a couple places that, that, that are kind of annoying. If you get really good at the grappling hook, most of them become incredibly trivial to move through. I mean, well, you saw me you play like Waka Melee for like 10 seconds before. Uh, or maybe it was 2 minutes or something like that. It was
0: it was more than 10
1: seconds. It was more than 10 seconds. But like I that's that's my jam. Like complicated. But like if you had given me 5 more minutes on that, I would have just been able to repeat that 5 times in a row without dying. And you that's kind look of look up the videos of the white palace from uh, Hollow Knight.
0: Just look up videos of the white palace from Hollow Knight. Like because we talked about this a little bit. Like, you, your big yeah. thing was, you know, you 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 felt the, the upgrades, right? The upgrade difference. Right. Because, in, in, and that's the thing, like, in Hollow Knight, you don't necessarily, you don't get a lot of health upgrades. It's the it's nail upgrading like nail. That... It's upgrading the nail that will make a difference. Not as much as I originally thought when I started playing the game, but, no, it, as time goes on, it, it, it does help with a lot of the bosses. And there's also the charm upgrade element. The charm upgrade element
1: is, um... I don't want to say charm upgrade. Oh, because you can get more charms, right? You get more charms. Because I basically... I did the first fight with Hornet. Hornet? Hornet. With no upgrades at all. And that was... There's there,
0: there's not really a lot of significant well, things. You can there's get not a lot
1: of significant Hornet. stuff. But I felt like there was stuff I could have gone back. But anyway, yeah, like... I don't know.
0: The fight with Hornet gets you the first major
1: upgrade. Yeah, that's um, true. I don't know. I, yeah.
0: But no, it is, um, but yeah, the thing with The Messenger is, the thing, I, I still enjoyed playing it, though, because it was a great game for, I don't want something I gotta really think about right now. I need something I could just boot up and I can play for maybe 30 minutes, an hour, yeah. um, and, and it was great for that. I will say, it, it's one of those, like, fourth wall breaking postmodern scripts that I'm just getting so sick of it thinks it's way funnier than it is and there are some moments that are cool and clever there are some moments that made me chuckle when it came to the like I got the achievement unlocked for just checking the cabinet over and over again
1: oh yeah um
0: and
1: there's there's, there's some like for, some of the stuff I, I really liked were like have you done everything with Kalos and Seussis with, with who the Kalos Col- and Susus. the the ogres Oh no! I only fought them the first time. Okay, like their their whole little. I like i am even like that first their their interaction on the first fight and stuff like that. But like, I, I don't know. There were some of right. You're right. Some of it is a little bit too like, oh, we're so clever. We're breaking the fourth wall. Nobody's ever done exactly. that before. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, and I just I had both. It what made it. I had to read the whole entire thing to my. I played most of this game while my kids watched, so I had to read it <laughs> for my two children who couldn't read at the time, and and also explain half the jokes. Yeah, uh, which is a different, little bit different experience, but especially
0: when all of these things are new to them, like they don't have the grounding of the tropes yet for the most
1: part. Right, right. Um, so, um, and we'll give a compliment on one
0: thing. The fake out ending is what I'll call it, because there is a fake out ending.
1: Oh yeah,
0: because it makes you think there's only maybe two stages of the the 16-bit era, and then you're kind of done the game, and it's, it gives you this little twist, and by the little, a couple of twists at once. Yeah, so they make you think this, and then that, and it's like, oh, this is pretty clever. It's kind of funny, um, and then something goes wrong
1: and it's like huh i actually kind of like that that was that's a, pretty clever that's that the, pretty good, that was a good i do wonder if they had if at some point in development they had planned on having a totally a second separate totally different game style based on another you know classic nes Game
0: more like Bionic Commando or Contra, right? They, right, yeah.
1: and and that they they just they just did not have the time for it, for it. and so they they re they sort of yeah, I, I don't know, it's yeah, it, I guess it's stuff like that that makes it um that makes it work. The um have you gotten to the Elemental Skylands yet? Probably not. If you had so. gotten to the Elemental Skylands, you there's. This is what I was saying That's there... not
0: where the dragon chases you, is it? No. Okay.
1: Well, it's it's related to where the dragon. It's after as after you you sort of revisit that you area. You go back to that place. Okay? Yeah, and then you then you unlock them. So what what I will say about the messenger ride, right, there are there's some definitely some annoying backtracking. Um, there are some frustrating parts of the game. It sort of is it's one of those things where there's a there's a number of cool moments that to me made it worth it. That it, it never let me down. That sort of like finishing a particular platforming challenge or sort of getting past some of this this region. When you have you finished the Undersea Tell me, you're still looking for the shell? You gotta find I'm the shell the, the,
0: the Quill Shroom... So here's a funny thing. Okay, Quill Shroom Forest. Best song in the game for me
1: so yes. far. Yes. Oh, so good. Um...
0: Had you ever heard of the composer before? No. I found it funny because Rainbow Dragon Eyes is a Chip Two music composer, obviously. That I had heard of years ago at MAGFest because I got to see him perform live. Or DJ live. Whatever yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, the Silvers some kind of performance. Whatever they yeah. do with the chiptunes, yeah. So I just found it funny that here's this game that you really love and it's like, I see, you know, music by Rainbow Dragon Eyes. I'm like, oh, I know that guy. I might yeah. have an album of his. Nice. It's like, I got to see him perform. So it was, I just found that little amusing.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, yeah no, definitely. That's, that that's cool. But yeah, so once you start getting to the payoffs, once you get through the Undersea Temple, once you get to the Elemental Skylands, um, and, and even, you know, finally kind of unravel the mysteries of, of the the true things that are what's really happening kind of behind the scenes yeah because I, I got real suspicious about that guy from the the east the, well oh wait no
0: never mind i, I get it i can't believe I just, I just never mind i get it never mind never mind uh I'll have to, we'll have to, i forgot about the revelation for a minute and it's like oh yeah that explains it and then it's like all of a sudden I'm like i wonder what what explains that guy oh 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 wait never mind
1: I get yeah it. anyways I feel like right there's there's some tedium in the second half of the game I, I really encourage you I think and this is where I I made perhaps overstated claims of any similarity to iconoclasts but if there is similarity it comes in the the payoffs to the to the various threads in the in the mm. sort of last quarter of the game maybe maybe. Um, we'll have to see. Um, Was there anything else you wanted to discuss? Because I actually did have... If you got one more thing, I, I I think I'm good. I mean, uh, I'm playing Disco Elysium right now. Please, just... If you like good things, and you're not a recovering addict, <laughs> go get Disco Elysium. This is a, a game that, like... Would probably be incredibly triggering for someone who has struggled with alcoholism, possibly drug addiction. If if that's not you, and so I'm gonna put a trigger warning on this game. Not usually my thing, but I I, I otherwise this I get is it. I get it, I get it, I get it, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. This is just an absolutely um, incredible indie game uh, with. I just absolutely love it.
0: Um, we'll be aiming to do a podcast because I'm going to see if I can start playing it. Um, I'll save until I'm further in my thoughts on Monster Hunter Rise. But I did want to say, I had Cinematic Whiplash this weekend. Sunday, I saw Godzilla vs. Kong. Hmm. That That's an interesting little, almost dismissive...
1: <laughs> no, I, I knew, I, I knew you had much.
0: Uh... And then the day after, my brother and I sat down to watch Lawrence of Arabia. One of these films is a cinematic masterpiece. That's going to age, could continue to age well for decades. The other is Godzilla vs. (laughs) Kong. I (laughs) was
1: going to say, the other is Lawrence of Arabia. (laughs) No. No,
0: no, Lawrence of Arabia is incredible. I feel like Lawrence of Arabia is going to be a good litmus test for people. If you can sit down and have, like, the first meeting of Lawrence and Ali, just have someone watch just that scene. And ask them, it's like, what did you think of this scene? And if they say it was interesting or whatever, like, why was it interesting? Because it's just two guys talking, right? And yet there's, it's a good example of what the film does so well. Because conversations, like, dude, people don't write conversations in films like this anymore. It's like such an interesting battle of, I don't even want to call it a battle of wits. An exchange of wits. Where the words are so important for the characters expressing who these characters are. What they think of themselves in that moment. And oh my goodness, character development. It's... This is a movie that's almost four hours long. And I don't know how I would cut it down if I had to. Because if you remove any scene, you remove character development. It is... That well constructed a
1: movie, which not a minute is wasted. Congress got. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. I just say, I think I watched it or I tried to watch it when I was maybe ten years old and totally didn't get it. Oh yeah,
0: no, you're not gonna you're not gonna enjoy
1: it when you're like, I
0: want to watch Star Wars.
1: Right. I thought the 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 the, the costume design and the setting and everything else was very interesting or looked cool. Um, right, I, that stuff I'll just went over my head.
0: If you want to get into problematic territory, explain to your kids why the guy that played Obi-Wan Kenobi is in uh, makeup to look like an Arab. <laughs> it does have that element to it. Um, there's a lot of good casting. Like There yeah. are a lot of like, like Omar Sharif plays, you know, Sharif Ali. Yeah. So it's like, it's not... Oh, but it's like
1: it's it
0: is I like, like Alec Guinness.
1: So when it's I think when he, it's done, he, he ain't a Prince of Arabia. <laughs> I can I think it's in a film that's sixty years old. Uh yeah, roughly. Um I think there's a there's a there's a higher level of forgiveness where it's played seriously. You
0: haven't been on Twitter recently, I mean no, you? I haven't been on Twitter. <laughs> okay,
1: but see there's a there's a difference between Cancel out of Guinness. Um, what's it called? Um, who's the guy? Uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. The, the I've never seen that yet. Um, I think it's Breakfast at Tiffany's. There's just like a really stereotypical portrayal of a you know Chinese played by what's well, like a famous actor of that era. Mm. And and it's sort of like that kind of thing. Like yeah, that was tasteless and it kind of ruins the movie for modern audiences. Whereas, if you have Alec Guinness doing his best job to seriously portray a complicated character who happens to be of a national origin that is not his own um, I, I think there's a difference and there's there's a higher there's some extension of understanding that we can have for that watching the movie 60 years later than or something like from the 80s. I or, would
0: hope so. It's it's like today we're at a better place where we do a better job with casting. Well, we just have more. You have a lot more theoretically because then
1: you they, can find you in, in Hollywood if if a casting director is willing to look, he can find yes. someone who is of the uh, you know Arabian Middle Eastern descent who can play with gravitas.
0: But will they get the right? Because that's the thing. Like I'm reminded, there are people in Japan. It's amazing. It's amazing what they do and do not find offensive. They don't care about Scarlett Johansson being the lead of Ghost in the Shell. One of the reasons because they love Scarlett Johansson. Another interesting reason, and this is what it's like: what it, the difference between being from a homogenous culture versus a non-homogenous culture like ours is. You know, you read opinions, and one of the most popular, like, was, "It's America. Of course, they're going to cast a white person." And it's like, from our perspective, it's like, why would you assume white? Um, (laughs) Because we're America. We're not homogenous. But you go to Japan, and they are homogenous, and they see a foreign country that is predominantly white. And it's like their assumptions are going to be different. Um, So that's interesting. But, again, like they don't mind that Scarlett Johansson in an American production place, but they do still they there is still anger towards Memoirs of a Geisha
1: this is a chinese was a
0: chinese actress
1: right. and
0: so it's like and of course that like this is i'm talking about like audiences in Japan versus audiences in America that are of Japanese heritage because that now now it's getting into complicated
1: territory um, no i have definitely read there's, there's yeah casting can be very complicated. I, I think maybe where we're way off topic, but yes, yeah, so I mean, Lords of Arabia. Great
0: movie. I still recommend. I still recommend it. It's like, you got It's your afternoon though. That movie is your afternoon, and it's one that it's like it's a movie I would I, like. I want to watch again because of all the little stuff, but that's a huge commitment. So I'm probably not going to see it again for a long time. But. What more people are probably going to end up seeing these days Godzilla vs. Kong It's better than King of the Monsters It's a different beast from Godzilla 2014 To that extent, it's more comparable to Pacific Rim Pacific Rim is still better Everything is better than Pacific Rim Uprising Never saw it It was bad uh, but Pacific
1: Rim is still like... Do giant robots punch monsters, though?
0: Not very well. This Look, Pacific Rim Uprising is just no good. Um, but Pacific Rim... Even though nobody likes the main protagonist, and I understand why, is very... I don't know if it's the actor or the writing that I should play. Um, but... Pacific Rim is really about Mako and Pentecost. They are the true protagonists of of the film, and they provide a much better heart than any of the cardboard cutouts in Godzilla vs. Kong. Godzilla vs. Kong has such pointless characters, they only exist to contextualize
1: why Godzilla and King Kong are punching each other.
0: And Do Godzilla least, and King
1: Kong team up At the end to conquer some greater threat So <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry <laughs> But no the point is like Half, half the human actors well, Characters aren't that bad But like the other half is, the, the funny thing is the other half Has like the one where Millie Bobby Brown returning Her character may as well not even be The same character And it's just a completely pointless subplot. Completely pointless. It's also the most Michael Bay in subplots. It's like... But for the most part, the film's not interested in that. All it wants to do is like, we're going to have these characters here to just move the plot along enough so that King Kong's on a boat in the ocean where he can fight Godzilla. And then we're going to have all of this Hollow Earth junk. And holy crap, I don't even know if the 60s movies got this campy... And I have very complicated feelings about the fact that this kind of crazy, campy, absurd—did they really just do that and play it straight? Well, they kind of don't. Like this, this film has the out what Outriders should have, right? Where you—it's so stupid, and yet you know they're not taking it completely seriously. They—if this came out when I was a kid, and I told people I liked it. I'd be given wedgies. I would have been made fun of. My lunch money would have been stolen. This is a big time blockbuster this year. Why is the world so weird that King Kong can pick up a giant King Kong sized axe with a Godzilla plate, uh, spine, whatever you want to call it, dorsal fin, embedded in it for the axe blade, and then use it as a key for something?
1: Wow! In the
0: Hollow Earth.
1: Spoilers, dude.
0: Whatever. You're not there for the Hollow no, I Earth. Mean, we were for just that. talking about this before though. This sounds ridiculous. But it's like this is ridiculous, and people are co- totally cool with seeing this in theaters now.
1: Yeah, we were, I was. I was just. I was. I was reading like a thread of, on, it was on Reddit actually. We were talking about this, um, and it's particularly in the in the case of high schools, how you know, whatever it was, 20, 30 years ago, like, if you read comic books and watched anime and whatever, and liked Godzilla, you were, like, an outcast. And now, everybody likes this stuff and watches this stuff. Everybody who knows who all the superheroes is, Like, high school boys, like, 80% of them watch My Hero Academia. Um, and it's just... It's all the other social things that separate the cool kids from, like, the not cool kids. But, like, media is no longer a thing that does that. that. Well,
0: that's... A, see, I've actually spoken with my brother a lot about that. Because was it ever the media or was it how the media was approached and absorbed? And this is where I always have difficulty... I don't want to say difficulty. Like, this, this, this would be a podcast, but one that's potentially dangerous. Because... It treads close to that idea of accusing of a fake geek or whatever like that. Yeah. And it's like, what, like was it, like was it that I liked these things that made me an outcast, or was it something else that did it? Um, that kind of stuff. But it is still like that would have been like th- this would have been like so uncool and weird that would it would have been the excuse used. It's like oh yeah. he's weird because he likes. Or the reality was. He's weird, and because he likes this, we're going to assume it's weird, too, and make fun of him. That's the reality of the situation, but people blamed it on, oh, because I like this. And it's like, no. But that's, again, that's a whole huge topic. Um, next time. Yeah, for next time. Uh, no, probably not. Um, <laughs> at some point, we are going to have Mr. Seamus Young back as a guest. Nice. Um... It was supposed to be early in the month, but he's getting... A couple things happened. One of which is, I don't currently have a very good quiet space to be recording right now. Which is why I haven't been Twitch streaming for almost a month now. And boy howdy, doesn't stink not to. Um, That's one of the reasons I'm probably finding it difficult to find a game to just latch on to. But, um, he should be on before the end of the month. We might be
1: able to do something. So yeah, that Yakuza like a dragon spoiler cast.
0: Might be a little longer in the wings.
1: Um, so that's good. That might give me a couple of time to finish that and actually do two Disco Elysium playthroughs, which is just what I yeah. want to do.
0: But uh, I believe it's SeamusYoung.com slash 20 sided tail is the direct link to his blog. SeamusYoung.com will take you there. But he is working on the physical book format of his entire Mass Effect retrospective series, novel length and size and he's named it Mess Effect because who hasn't at this point Uh, no but it's it's I really appreciate his rundown of the franchise because it's really interesting to see because he's he's different from me in a lot of ways and what he cares about most so there's a lot of stuff that like he won't nitpick but I would but at the same time he'll nitpick stuff that I never would have thought to nitpick so it's We'll have him on. Maybe we'll ask him about it a bit. Maybe we'll have our look back, even though I haven't played Mass Effect in a long time. Like our Road to Mass Effect legend, leg, leg, leg,
1: Legendary Edition? What's the new version coming out? I don't know, man. What, you're not hyped? really not hyped.
0: Is it because you played Andromeda? No, I actually really enjoyed Andromeda. Alright, this podcast is over. This is the last episode of A Steve, episode 80. We didn't get to make it to episode 100. Uh, because actually,
1: Steve has bad taste.
0: I haven't, I mean, well. But, <laughs> I haven't actually played Andromeda myself. It, it keeps, like the, the temptation is that it keeps getting cheap. But it's like, is my time that cheap?
1: There are a lot of things that Mass Effect Andromeda does competently. <laughs> <laughs> that's the big one of the biggest backhanded that's, compliments that's, I've ever heard. The, the back <laughs> of the box, quote right there. <laughs> There's a lot of
0: things this game does competently. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it won't be. It, what I mean that to say is, it won't be a waste of time. It's, yeah, it's a mess. mess effect. <laughs> a Mess effect. <laughs>
0: Alright, um, but yeah, hopefully you guys will show up for when we're all with Seamus, when we're eventually going to discuss Yakuza Like a Dragon, and who knows, maybe I'll finish Disco Elysium at some point. That i got to finish something first. It's though. a Western
1: RPG, though, man. Do you think you can handle that?
0: Uh, Yeah, because it's not AAA. huge open-world AAA. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have annoying crafting systems that are completely unnecessary, you know, like Okay, that was not a dig at Witcher 3 specifically. That was just a dig towards trends in general. No, no. Witcher 3, it technically makes sense.
1: Um, But, yeah. Because you're a murder hobo. What are you going to do other than craft things? Out of random stuff you find lying around. But, all right, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening. You You guys have a good night.
1: Good night.